singing in the life of the church. I'm Zach DePrima, and with me is my new friend, Justin Dieter. Justin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Good to be with you today, Zach. Justin, you wear several hats, and you have a very full life. Can you uh, briefly tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So uh, I'm the the lead pastor at Redemption Church in Wilson, North Carolina, and uh, been uh, planted that church by God's grace a couple years ago, and, and the Lord's blessed that work. And so faithfully serving the Lord there and, and leading and teaching uh, there at Redemption Church. I uh, have my wife, Caitlin, three kids that keep us busy. Wow. And, um, and so, What ages are your kids? Uh, see if I can remember off the top of my head. Uh, uh, <laughs> seven, almost eight, uh, five, and three. So okay. uh, oldest is a boy and then two little girls. So. And you, you've recently uh, have finish your PhD That's at right. Southeastern Seminary. I guess you, you graduate, you know, this this month as we're talking or next yeah, month. Yeah, I technically graduated in in May, oh, but okay, I'll, great. I'll I'll get to walk this December, um, you know, uh, Lord willing, um, this December at Southeastern. And so. who did you study under? Studied under Dr. Nathan Venn. Okay. Um, and so he was my major professor the whole way through the program and uh, was just such a blessing and an encouragement along Nathan, the way. Nathan's a dear man. And Nathan, if you ever listen to any of these conversations, we'd love to have you on this podcast <laughs> as well. Uh, so some of you may know Nathan Finn is actually the same, uh, same man who supervised uh, my brother Alex in his work on Spurgeon. But you specialize and, and you focus uh, your study on Jonathan Edwards, right? That's right. Yeah, I do. Uh, what particular area of Edwards' ministry? Yeah, so uh, for Edwards, I primarily focused on uh, his vision for the Christian life, particularly how the, the means of grace function mm. um, and how God sanctifies us as, as his saints mm. uh, through the means of grace. And mm. so trying to, to take the big picture of Edwardsian theology and bring that to bear on that practical issue of the Christian life and, and how Edwards saw it functioned and operated and uh, even trying to uh, pull out some lessons that we can learn from today. Well, I definitely want to ask you more questions about that in a little bit, uh, but before I do, uh, more broadly, most of us, if we know Jonathan Edwards, we know him via the First Great Awakening yeah. uh, in America. Uh, many people might remember maybe in high school reading the sermon, Sinners in, a, Sinners in a Hands of an Angry God, Yeah. Um, whether they read so um, spitefully or uh, <laughs> rejoice in, in the gospel proclaimed in that message. But that's how most of us are familiar with Edwards. I wanted yeah. to ask you real quick, I mean, can you tell us a little bit what was Jonathan Edwards' role in the, in the Great Awakening, the First sure. Great Awakening? Yeah, John, Jonathan Edwards played a huge role, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think a lot of times people are first introduced by sinners in the hands of an angry God, often through high school, which, uh, you know, in some ways is an accurate depiction of Edwards, but in some ways a very skewed caricature of mm-hmm. Edwards uh, that doesn't represent the fullness of his ministry or the role that he played mm-hmm. in the Great Awakening. Um, so Jonathan Edwards, in a lot of ways, uh, was used by the Lord to kind of prompt this larger work of revival, not only in North America, but in uh, in Europe and in England in particular. And and uh, primarily with the revival that happened in Northampton. And so Edwards recorded the events there, this kind of supernatural and surprising work of God in the whole town of Northampton. I recorded it in a, in a work called The Faithful Narrative. Mm. That gets passed around and spread uh, almost kind of like wildfire right. and begins to prompt this larger desire and prayer and yearning to see greater awakenings in different communities. And so Edwards plays a role in kind of jump-starting the Great Awakening in some sense, but Edwards also plays a role in 
trying to de- define what the Lord is doing in mm. terms of the Great Awakening yes. itself. So as as the Great Awakening begins, uh, there begin to be a lot of uh, confusion over what is taking place, what's the nature of what's happening, um, how, how do we assess whether these are true conversions or not. Mm. And so Edwards uh, comes out and as almost kind of a moderating figure mm-hmm. in the Awakening where on the one hand... Uh, he celebrates the awakening as a work of God's grace and kind of rebukes those that would just shut it down and think of it as something that's uh, unhelpful or harmful to the church. But at the same time, Edwards uh, grows increasingly concerned about some of the excesses of revival uh, that were uh, getting out of hand and uh, causing harm uh, in the communities. So Edwards uh, kind of takes out this moderating stake stake, and in a lot of ways ends up ends up clarifying, uh, he becomes almost the theologian of religious experience uh, Mm. and kind of defining how do we know if a work of God has really happened in someone's heart Mm. and and how do we discern, which leads to great works like Religious uh, Affections, which is probably one of his best known works where Edwards kind of puts out what are the the signs uh, in terms of how do we understand whether a work of God has taken place. Mm. If you're wearing your your, your scholar hat and and also your your pastor hat, why is it important for Christians today to be exposed to Edwards? Yeah, I think I think Edwards uh, casts such a captivating vision for what the Christian life is all about. His his focus on God's glory and uh, and God's passion for His glory and in the glorious work of redemption. Uh, that that overarching vision that he had for the Christian life uh, is captivating, and I think so many Christians. Uh, fail to see the breadth of what God is doing, not only in the world, but particularly through through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Edwards brings out not just this overarching vision that I think motivates and enables the Christian life, uh, but but he also uh, is just a wonderful practical practical example of a man devoted to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Of course, with his shortcomings in many ways, but uh, his intensity and focus and doing everything for the glory of God um, challenges me, and I, I think challenges many others to. Look Look at look at him, uh, the practices of his piety, the the way he lived his life, uh, and to, again try to pull some lessons for today. What's the best way, um, uh, best first work of Edwards to read? Is it a sermon or a book or what would you suggest? To yeah, somebody I, wants to get into Edwards? I usually encourage people if they're if they're wanting to start to read Edwards himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the sermons really are the the best place to start. That's where you see you know not only Edwards' shrewd logic and and, and discernment and mm-hmm. uh, in terms of his reasoning, but you also see his pastoral heart and mm. his penchant for painting images and pictures with words. Hmm. Um, so I, I always, I suggest probably the best thing, if you want to pick up Edwards, uh, Yale puts out this great little edition of the Sermons of Jonathan Edwards, uh, which is just kind of a broad overview of some of his key sermons over his life. That's just such a great introduction if you hmm. just want to get a taste yeah. of, of who Edwards is and yeah. his life and ministry. Well, as you've said, your area of focus uh, with Edwards is Edwards and the means of grace. When when Christians talk about the means of grace, Justin, what what are we talking about? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'd like you to explain that a little bit, and also uh, what is Edwards' contribution to that conversation? Yeah. So the means of grace are you know, the vernacular we often use today when talking about them is spiritual disciplines, and mm-hmm. I, I prefer the, the the label means of grace. I think that better articulates their their purpose and focus, and it's what the Puritans often called them, it's what Edwards often called them. But the means of grace are the spiritual habits that God has prescribed through his word 
that he has promised to use uh, to build up his church. Mm-hmm. And so uh, these are things like preaching and, and prayer and, and fasting, these spiritual habits in such a way that the Lord uh, uniquely brings his sanctifying grace through. And so, um, so Edwards in particular, uh, he really connected the means of grace uh, to God as triune, Father, mm-hmm. Son, and Holy Spirit. And so one of the things I do in my dissertation is I try to uh, understand Edwards' Trinitarian theology, which is a <laughs> contested area in the field, um, but to try to mark a position there and help us understand how the means of grace function within that vision of how under- Edwards understood God uh, to be. And so uh, Edwards understood uh, that the means of grace function largely as, as channels uh, through which God brings his grace uh, into our lives. And so he doesn't have this mechanistic framework in which, uh, you know, if I take up the means, God's guaranteed to, to give grace. There's this trusting and reliance that God in his sovereignty will bring grace as he sees fit, but he will do so through these prescribed pathways mm-hmm. that he's set out. Um, and so that means that as, as Christians, particularly understanding Edwards here, um, we want to take up these means that God has given us, trusting and praying and longing for the Lord to bring that sanctifying grace. And in terms of connecting that to Edwardsian Trinitarian theology, um, Edwards understood that the Father and the Son were bound together by the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And that same pattern is replicated uh, between Christ and the church, mm-hmm. and so which, which is what enables that that channel of the means of grace to function and sanctifying uh, in the life of the believer. Now, as a pastor, I mean, how how relevant is that? I mean, I don't know of uh, in, in people if, if I'm ever given opportunity to counsel somebody um, or I'm discipling a Christian who's tends is struggling. Yeah, rarely is that person employing the means of grace. That's right. That's right. And I, I think what you said a moment ago was very helpful. It's not to say that. Should you mechanically get up at 6 a.m. every day and read your Bible and pray, yeah. you're going to have this magical sense of closeness to God. That's right. But the Lord will not commune with you short of that. Mm-hmm. You need to employ those means. That's right. Uh, Justin, this is a podcast about singing, congregational mm-hmm. singing in particular. Would you uh, and or Edwards view Christian singing and worship as a means of grace? Yeah, I, I would consider singing a, a means of grace. I'm not sure Edwards used that term in mm-hmm. applying directly to singing, but clearly in his writings, did Edward use the term means of grace? Uh, he did. He okay. did. Um, and so, uh, but again, I don't think he applies it directly to singing right. per se. But there, Edwards uh, was in a lot of ways a, a celebration of of singing in the life of the church. Um, you know, like many of the Puritans, uh, he grew up singing psalms and, uh, and and singing them. But Edwards was actually very open to uh, employing some of the, the newer hymns by guys like Isaac Watts, right? Mm-hmm. These revolutionary guys yeah. writing their, their own hymns and bringing them into the life of the church. Uh, Edwards saw them as effective. And, um, Would he have sung any Wesley hymns? I'm not sure if yeah. they sing any Wesley hymns. I'm not sure if there's any data uh, with that. But he does mention Isaac Watts okay. uh, particularly. So they, he is singing some of these newer hymns that are being written at the time. Um, and so Edwards often saw the singing as a, a, a wonderful way to kind of Pell and prompt mm. um, the congregation to further devotion and affection for the mm. Lord, um, and so one of the things that he encourages, particularly as the, in the seasons of revival and awakening, um, is that people would would gather in smaller almost small group type settings. They yeah. would call it conferences, yeah. um, and there would be discussions over 
personal spiritual matters, uh, discussing the sermon, talking about what the Lord's doing in a person's life. And oftentimes, Edwards encouraged singing in those sorts of settings, uh, even outside of the main worship of, of the church. And so uh, singing just expresses in so many ways uh, the heart's joy in the Lord. And I think as a means of grace, it not only helps us communicate that joy and all we have for the Lord, but it also helps prompt it within mm. our souls, particularly when we're feel, feeling cold mm-hmm. or distant from the Lord. Yeah, it's interesting. It's definitely, in my opinion, a means of grace, a yeah. means of uh, of nurturing our own discipleship of Christ. Mm-hmm. What I think is often neglected, at least in, in church life, is, is people don't realize it's a command. Yeah, you that's know, right. If your heart isn't leading you to praise the Lord, mm-hmm. if, if you're not responsive to His mercy and grace in your life, well, at the very least, you need to be obedient. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. we're, we're commanded in Colossians 3 and Ephesians 5 to, to yeah. sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And it, what's interesting, we don't just have that duty to the Lord. We have that duty to one another. That's we right. are to encourage one another mm-hmm. uh, with the singing of those songs. And it's a way we allow the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. I always encourage uh, members of Emmanuel, not only should you be singing praise to God and, and, and vertically to him, but you have a duty to your brothers and sisters. It's We have to encourage one another while it's called today, and, and yeah. singing helps us do that. Yeah, and I can, um, give me a second, mm-hmm. I'd love to just bear testimony to that and just in terms of my personal life. Just yeah. uh, about a year ago, we, uh, I guess maybe a couple years ago, we found out we, we lost one of our, our children in pregnancy and um, just devastating and uh, distraught in so many ways. But I remember that next Sunday, um, we, we gathered as a church and we sang the song, It Is Well mm. With My Soul. Mm-hmm. And I just remember... Uh, not being able to sing, <laughs> not because I didn't want to, but yeah. because my, my emotions wouldn't let me. And just hearing the crescendo of voices from the congregation mm-hmm. singing that to me, um, yes. uh, even when I had a hard time trusting in the Lord in that season, uh, was a wonderful means of grace, yeah. strengthened me, strengthening my confidence in the Lord, even in a difficult season. And I think that's the gift of congregational singing, right? Yeah. When the church is singing together, uh, there's there's something unique that the Lord does when God's people raises their voices together. It mm. strengthens face, faith, it emboldens worship, it stirs joy and gladness mm. in the Lord. Uh, so it's wonderful to see how congregational singing can just be such an effective means and mm. stirring people up uh, to worship to the Lord. Amen, brother. Yeah. Well, Justin, many of us who are not smart enough to read Jonathan Edwards, <laughs> we have had Jonathan Edwards mediated to us through the ministry of John Piper. Yeah. John Piper has had it, it's one of it's been one of the main thrusts of his ministry. I think it. I think he's signal or uh, singled out. Is it Jonathan Edwards and C.S. Lewis? He's made. Mm-hmm. If there are any two figures he can he can thrust upon you, he's going to get those guys in front of you. Mm-hmm. But obviously, you know, Piper's ministry, Desiring God, it, their mission is that of uh, God is most satis- God is most glorified when we are most satisfied mm-hmm. in Him. That the Christians' ambi- Christians' ambition to pursue joy and God's glory are not in conflict, yeah. and He has derived a lot of that from Edward's teaching. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my question is just, could you, can you speak to that a little bit, to Edward's thoughts on that topic of Christian joy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like many, I, I was first introduced to Jonathan mm-hmm. Edwards largely through the ministry of John Piper yeah. many years ago. And uh, and again, uh, Piper's introduction led me to begin to read Edwards himself. and. Yeah find in a lot of ways uh, so much of Piper's ministry, and I think he would tell you this, is, is parroting you know, right. the lessons that he's learned from, from Jonathan Edwards. Um, and so Christian joy, I, I think, is a, a dominant theme um, for, for Jonathan Edwards. Uh, again, I, I would say maybe the primary theme is, is God's glory, but, 
but God's glory and our joy are very much connected in Edward's mind. Yes. And and God is glorified as as we find joy and satisfaction and delight in Jesus Christ as our treasure, um, as the value of our souls, of that which we most are devoted to and longing for. And so uh, so Edwards would would affirm, I think, many of the, the, the emphasis uh, that, that Piper has brought to his own ministry. Uh, and so I think that that's sort of those sort of themes are just valuable to the church today to recover and to renew and and guys like Edwards uh, can help us get there. So, Justin, we can turn over to our hymn of the episode, the hymn of this podcast. And I made sure this was a hymn that both of our churches sing, and yeah. I was delighted to hear hear that you sing this song as well. And that hymn is My Worth Is Not In What I Own. This is a hymn by Keith and Kristen Getty and uh, Graham Kendrick, and is a song, a wonderful song, calling for believers to rejoice in Christ alone, finding mm-hmm. their worth in Him alone. I'll read the first verse, or the first two, the first two stanzas. They write, My worth is not in what I own, not in the strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly wounds of love at the cross. My worth is not in skill or name, in win or lose, in pride or shame, but in the blood of Christ that flowed at the cross. And then the refrain of this hymn is, I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. I will trust in him, no other. My soul is satisfied in him alone. We actually just sang this hymn uh, yesterday. Yesterday was Lord's Day, and we sang this. um, Aaron Menikoff was preaching to us, and he was preaching from Ecclesiastes 1 and 2. Hmm. And Really, he's preaching on the futility of life. Uh, I think the title of his sermon was, Does Anything Really Matter? Hmm. And his point was, everything under the sun, under the sun, under the S-U-N, under the sun, is worthless. Hmm. Uh, Life lived under the sun and not in reference to and for the glory of Jesus Christ alone. Yeah, yeah, it is meaningless. But the point of the Christian life is finding our all and, and rooting our trust in him and mm-hmm. him alone. Justin, what are your thoughts on this song? Yeah, well, this is this is uh, one we've recently added to our, our mm. repertoire as a church, and it's been one that I've been looking forward to adding into our rotation because I think it just so beautifully uh, just articulates uh, something that I think we as Western Christians struggle mm-hmm. with. I think we, we live in such a materialistic society where our life is defined by what we own, the stuff that we have, the security that we've, we have financially. Um, and there's just this reminder here that um, our, our worth is, is not in our stuff, but it is in the Lord Jesus Christ and, uh, and in the, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus laying down his life for us. And so uh, I think this is just a wonderful reminder and uh, a convicting reminder every time I sing it of reorienting my heart and soul, making sure my identity is found in the Lord Jesus Christ and no other. Mm-hmm. They say they have this line in the last stanza that's two wonders here that I confess mm. my worth and my unworthiness, yeah. my value fixed, my ransom paid at the cross. And that is that the Christian's worth is in Christ, yeah. and yet we are so unworthy. That's right. But Christ has been merciful and gracious to us. Well, mm. Justin, with that, uh, we are out of time. Brothers and sisters, <laughs> we commend this song to you. Mm. Uh, there's a wonderful arrangement. I don't know the album, but I'll, I'll leave it in whatever the notes are for this episode uh, of Kristen Getty and Fernando Ortega singing it. Mm. And uh, both the har- they both harmonize at different times, and it, it's, it's a wonderful arrangement. With that, we are out of time. Justin, thank you for your time. Thank you.